Good morning. Welcome to you all. First of all, I want to say how great was it to see the worship team um, together, uh, just praising and worshiping God. It's really good to see just taking it to another level. And it's always good to just give God praise in all that we do. It's really good to be here on the stage again um, as well. And I'm here at uh, City Life Church Central in Baffins, Portsmouth in England. And it, you know, I'm looking out over empty spaces, but I know that many of you are watching from all around the world. And we want you to know that you are loved. You are loved by a God who thinks you're amazing. And we just really want to encourage you. We want you to know that we miss you as well. And we are looking forward to seeing many of you when we can regather again. This season that we're in is really, really significant. I know that many of you are enjoying the season and are you know, really seeing God do big things in your life and really sensing the purpose of God. But also we recognize that there are many of you that are really struggling, that you're finding this time very challenging, very difficult. For some of you, it's a little bit of a mix, but you need to know this. God is sovereign and he's overall and he's got a plan and he is working all things together for our good. I want to be sharing a message with you today, which I really think speaks in to the season that we are in. I believe that in a sense, it's kind of like a coat hanger that you can hang the garment of this season onto. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3 today as our main passage of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at the three C's, the three C's, which I really believe speak into this time, this season that we are in right now. And I believe that it's a prophetic message to the church, uh, to us as a, a, a church family here at City Life, but also to the church worldwide. And so I really want to encourage you to lean in, take notes and apply these truths that you're going to be hearing today. So let's have a look. Let's jump and dive into some scripture. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3 and we're going to start from verse 1. Let's uh, read this together. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and they lodged. I want to just stop there. Another way of saying this is that they camped, they lodged, they camped out before, it says, before they passed over. There is going to be a passing over, but here we see, first of all, a camping out, a lodging. Verse 2, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from that place and follow it. Verse 4, Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Well, let me tell you people, that was social distancing going on there, but on a really extreme level. It says this, Do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you shall go. You know, many of us are kind of confused in this season. We're not sure about where we're going. There's a sense of kind of 
feeling like a rudderless ship. Here it's saying um, that you may know the way that you shall go. And then I love this next bit. And this is something I've actually got underlined here in my notes. For you have not passed this way before. Wow. That really does clarify and illuminate where we're at as a season. We've not been this way before. It's uncharted territory. Then it says this, verse 5, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you are expecting God's going to do wonders among us? Yeah, I'm really believing that. You know, why don't you just jump in the chat and say, oh, I believe it. God is going to do mighty wonders among us. So he says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Now, remember, this is the presence of God. This is the, the, the glory of God that they're carrying here in this Ark of the Covenant. And he says, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people so that they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Moses, you know, just to give you some context here, was a phenomenal leader. He had led the, the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery. But now Moses is dead. He's no longer there. He's passed the baton onto Joshua, who had been a faithful servant, who had served under Moses' leadership. A very different style of leadership, but nonetheless uh, a, a leader that was a great example and a man of humility and a man of great courage. Um, As for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. I want you to underline that in your Bible or highlight it on your Bible app. This is a really important part. You shall stand still in the Jordan. Many of you are feeling like in this season, I feel like I'm standing still. Maybe some of you might even feel like you're regressing in some way, but here... They're being told, stand still in the Jordan. And then Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. How many of you know it's important to listen to the words of God? There's something very important. We need to be hearing the voice of God in this season like never before. And verse 10, it says, and Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he He he." will without fail drive out before you um, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the per- Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, basically all the enemies, they're going to be driven out. And behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now we're on to verse 12. Now therefore take 12 men from the tribes of Israel from each tribe a man and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the lord the lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters i want you to underline that word there rest this has been a restful season hasn't it for many of us or it certainly it should be a time of rest 
Not all the time. There is some busyness. There's a lot of productivity and work that's been there. But there has definitely been, this has been a real season for rest. Rest in the waters, it says, of the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. What's it saying here? You know, the Levite priests, they're going to stand in the Jordan River and the waters are going to recede. There's going to be a pathway that isn't, that can't be seen yet, but when they step out, it will start to recede. There will be a parting of the ways that the, the pathway will become clear. Verse 14, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the, har the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. At Adam, the city that is besides Zarathan, and those flowing down towards the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. So this is here. We're now seeing this fulfillment. We're seeing this crossing over. We're seeing this transition point. And then verse 17, it says, Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Well, that was quite a big chunk of scripture that we read there, wasn't it? But but I didn't want to pass over on anything because there's so much richness and, and value and importance in the Word of God. And I want to share a message uh, based on this passage of Scripture, which is very relevant for us at this time. And I want to be sharing about the three C's. You might be thinking, well, what are those three C's here in Joshua 3? The three C's are camping, consecration, and crossing. Camping, consecration, and crossing. And I believe that this is depicting where we're at right now. I believe that, first of all, we are in a place where God has called us to camp out. We're in this, this place, and here it says in the Scriptures that these uh, community of God, the Israelites, they were camping for three days. Uh, they were being still. There, there seemed like there wasn't much activity going on. And sometimes in our lives we can have these periods, these situations, these scenarios where it seems like, well, what are we doing? Like, are we wasting time? We're not moving forward. But I want you to know that the camping process, the, the camping season is very, very important because I believe that in that place, God is doing a deep work. If we allow him, we do actually have a choice. Some of us can be camping but resisting what God's wanting to do. But I really do believe that if we, we take hold of the word of the Lord as we're following him, we're following his instructions in this camping out time, I really believe that God can do some big, amazing, significant things in our lives. But so many times we kind of discard it, we discredit it because we want to see movement. We want to be marching forward. We want to be taking new territory. And it's great to have those ambitions and that vision and that, that drive. But sometimes it's important 
that we take time to be still. One of my favorite verses is in Psalm 46, verse 10, and it says this, Be still and know that I am God. You know, there's something very powerful about us being still. And I think that we live in an age which is very distracted. We, we, we struggle to be still. We struggle not to be distracted by all these different voices and notifications and, and, and messages that are being sent to us. But there's something that you can only learn, that you can only know, that you can only get when you're still. I really do believe that this is a season of silence, of solitude and stillness. There are three keys of the kingdom that we've been given, which actually aren't used very much today in our age. But I do believe that there is a revisiting and something that I've been leaning into more, silence, solitude, stillness. It's, it's not something that comes naturally to me, but I've really sensed God calling me into this place, this secret place of just being with him in, in this camping place. Be still and know that he is God. There's something that he wants you to know that you're only going to find out and discover when you're still. And so I want to ask you, are you being still? Are you taking time out where you're not on your phone, you know, constantly, you know, messaging or looking at things on social media or, or listening to music or whatever? Are you taking time just to be still and to know that he is God? There's some things that God wants to give you a revelation about this. Some parts of God's character and nature that we're only going to be able to see if we can be still. And in that place, God's going to flood our lives with greater revelation with greater insight and understanding of who he is. And I also believe he's also going to show us about who we are um, in and through him. There's another great verse in Psalm 37, verse 7, and it says this, Be still. There's that phrase again. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. I want to ask you again, are you being still? And are you waiting patiently for him to act. I think there's so many times that we want to rush in. We, we want to help God out. But there's a process that we've got to lean into. And there's God's timing. God's timing is perfect. And I think sometimes we want to rush in. We want to do things our own way. And well, just look at Abraham. You know, when he tried to help out God. Uh, you know, and then ended up with Ishmael. And then all the problems that came out, you know, with sleeping with Hagar and trying to help God out. And it, it really caused a lot of problems, a lot of chaos, a lot of issues that I didn't think needed to be there. If he had just been patient, if it had just waited patiently, you know, for God to act. And I think that in this time, you know, holding on to the promises of God, it's a time for us to really trust the Lord. I want to ask you a question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? I know we say it and I know we sing it, but, but do we really, really trust God? Because the evidence that we really trust God is found not just in what we say with our mouth, because words can be cheap, but actions are expensive. And when we say, you know, it, it, we can throw these, oh Lord, I surrender all, my life is yours, Your Jesus is Lord. But are we living it? 
Are we living lives that are completely surrendered? Is God really first place in every area of our lives? Or are we playing pick and mix Christianity where we say, well, you know, I like that bit because that's comfortable and, and I'll do that because that's convenient. And oh, well, this is not going to cause me any problems. So I'll do that. Oh, but I'm, I'm not going to touch that because that means I'm going to have to have some sacrifice. That means I'm going to have to pay some costs. That means I'm going to, you know, it's going to make my flesh feel uncomfortable. And, and, oh, I don't like that because, you know, I don't agree with that. And we, we can end up playing this lukewarm, uh, passive, weak um, Christianity, which is not real, genuine Christianity. It's not really what it means to follow Christ. When Jesus invited us to follow him, he said, if you want to find your life, you must give it away. He said about laying our lives down. He spoke about taking up our cross daily. So being a Christian isn't about just comfort and convenience. The reality is that there will be sometimes some things that God asks us to do that are very challenging, that are very uh, difficult. But God won't ask us to do something that we cannot do. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. There's something that God's doing in the process. There's something that He's, he's changing on the inside of us. But we have to be patient and wait on His timing to act. You know, I remember when I was looking for a, a job when I was younger and uh, I went out and just, uh, you know, going for lots of different jobs. And um, I, I was young and, and I just wanted a job. I wanted some, to bring some money in. And I remember going to McDonald's of all places and applying for a job there. And you know what? I got turned down from McDonald's. Who gets turned down from McDonald's? Well, I did. And, you know, it was quite demoralizing thinking, oh, my goodness, like other friends of mine, people that I knew were getting jobs. And yet I didn't. Uh, but then a few weeks later, I ended up getting a, a job at Alders. How many of you remember Alders? It's now called Debenhams, but I worked on menswear in Alders. And it was actually a really good job. I really enjoyed that. I was working in retail and the Lord taught me a lot and the Lord used me a lot to minister um, in that situation. And it was a job that actually was better money, and better prospects, and I actually really enjoyed my time working there. But, you know, again, sometimes we just have to be patient. You know, what do we do when we're not seeing doors opening? You know, when we're not seeing the right door open? Well, when you're in the hallway and no door is opening, praise God in the hallway. I think there's something about whatever happens in our life, taking this stance, God's going to be first. I'm going to passionately praise him. I'm going to give him my all. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always, as the Apostle Paul said, you know, in, in Thessalonians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Give thanks, you know, in every circumstance. For this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. There's something that happens when we just are relentless in our prayer and our praise and our passion for God. This is a time of camping. We are in a time where it seems like we're not moving forward as a nation or as the nations. But we, that this is a very important process of what God is doing. Before there's a crossing, there's a camping and there's a consecration. I want to ask you, have you ever been camping? I know that I've got some memories from my childhood when we went camping with 
with our family. And, you know, there was, a, as a child, this sense of adventure and fun. And, you know, but then you had to set up the tents, didn't you? And often that would take a long time. And, you know, you might find that something was missing. And, and then at night time, it would get very cold. And, you know, there was the, the, the positive aspects that we loved about camping, the fun and the adventure. But then there was the, the setting up, the packing away, the wasps. You know, when you're out and about, as normally in camping, there's lots of wasps and flies and mozzies that are around. So camping, you know, has its positives, but also it has its costly, uncomfortable elements as well. You know, and if you're camping out in the wild somewhere, then of course, that you know, there's, there's wild animals that roam around and, and even strangers perhaps. And so it can be a little bit scary. This is where the community of God were in this phase. They were camping out. They were camping out. It was a time to rest. It was a time to recharge. And I think we've got to remember that it's really important that we spend time resting. Think about Adam and Eve, you know, at creation. God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day. And what happened on the seventh day? What happened on their first experience of life? Their first day was rest. God rested on the seventh day. He, he enjoyed, you know, his creation and just enjoying the goodness of what, what he saw. And he said it was good. So that was Adam and Eve. They didn't start their lives from work, 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 work. They started their lives from a place of rest. And then from that place of rest, they, they flowed out into fruitful work and productivity. I mean, they had a lot of work to do. They had to tend the Garden of Eden. That wasn't a tiny job. So, you know, please hear me. I'm not saying that when we talk about rest that you should be lazy. The Bible talks about working hard, being diligent, and I think it's really important that we work hard, that we, we're diligent in our work, that we go the extra mile, not looking to kind of get away with a bare minimum. We should be extra mile people in everything that we do, doing it as unto the Lord, not unto man. But here we see Adam and Eve, they ministered, they worked from a place of rest, not restlessness. I want to ask you the question, are you working from a place of rest? Or are you working from a place of restlessness? And rest is not just about, you know, ceasing from physical activity. It's, it's because rest is also about what's going on internally. So it's about an internal peace. It's, it's not about that you're not doing anything. It's about recreation, recreation. It's about enjoying, you know, the goodness of God, reflecting on the ways of God. It's so important that we take this season uh, to hand that we really lean into the importance of rest. Think about Mary and Martha, the scene in the Bible that many of us know and, and are familiar with. You know, Mary and Martha are there with Jesus and Mary's, you know, knelt down and she's, she's sat at the feet of Jesus and she's just absorbing everything that he's saying and just absorbing being in his presence. Here, here she was sat with the author of love himself, this man of compassion, the, the rock of ages, the son of God, the Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one, the, the, the beginning and the end, the healer, the miracle maker. Here she is, she's sat with him and she's captivated by the presence of God. And she's knelt, she's there sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha's there and she's cross because she's preparing a meal 
And, you know, you can imagine the scene, you know, her probably leaning in and looking around out of the kitchen and giving Mary the, you know, the, the daggers, the, uh, you know, the, the red eye and, you know, just clanging pots and pans around in the kitchen trying to, come on, are you not going to come and help me here? And, and suddenly she gets to this point of frustration where, where Martha, you know, says to Jesus, look, are you not going to do anything? You know, Mary's not doing anything. Tell her that she needs to help me. And, and Jesus gives a very surprising answer and says, actually, what she's doing is right. You see, Martha was actually preparing a meal that Jesus hadn't ordered. And let me say this, there is a time for serving. We need to eat. There's a time for that hospitality. But there's also a time for sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I really believe that this is a time for us to sit at the feet of Jesus. And then from that place that we serve. But let's not be serving when we should be sitting. And let's not be sitting when we should be serving. So let's remember the first part is about camping, being still. Pressing into the presence of God, waiting patiently, trusting in Him. Second part of the process is consecration. Consecration. So what is consecration? Well, in some translations, it actually uses the word sanctification. In the Hebrew, we get this word in the original language, kadash, and it means to set apart. It means to dedicate. It means to make holy. It means to clean. It means to prepare yourself. So this is a season of saying, God, my life is yours. I'm dedicating it to you. And God, I'm preparing myself. You know, I want you to note here that when Joshua, you know, uh, these instructions were given here, it, it was to, to consecrate yourselves. You know, it wasn't consecrate your husband, consecrate your wife, consecrate your children. Consecrate your mum or dad or whoever. Consecrate your boss. It wasn't any of that stuff. Consecrate yourself. It was a directive word. And so for us in this season where we're, we're, where we're camping, but we're also in a place where we're consecrating ourselves, this is about preparing for what's to come. This is about preparing for the crossing over. But there's something that has to happen first in us before we transition into that next point. And I believe that we have reached the point of no return. We had a prophetic word that was given to us as a church from Esther Lombardi. We've reached a point of no return. That is a phrase that comes from aviation. When an aeroplane and it's flying out and it gets to the point where it doesn't have enough fuel to return to the starting point, and that's when they say we've reached the point of no return. There's no going back now. And it's a bit like a caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and it starts to change. There's this metamorphosis that starts going on. And we're in that phase. We're in this transitional. I don't believe we're yet fully that butterfly I don't believe that we've fully yet crossed over, but we're in that process. We're in a consecration season. We're in a time of cleansing ourselves, purifying ourselves, making ourselves, you know, being holy. 
Focus on who we're becoming. Focus on cleaning ourselves up. And this is the season, you know, the, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon. It's in its lockdown. But what's happening is a metamorphosis, a transformation that's going on. And I'm believing that this is a time of transformation. But we've got to consecrate ourselves. We can't, I can't do it for you as your pastor. No one else can do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. To be leaning in, being still with God, talking to God, waiting patiently on Him, but, but leaning in and, and repenting of our sin and, and cleaning up the mess and, and the compromise in our lives and saying, God, I'm full on for you. I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back, but I'm giving you everything. There's no area of my life that you cannot touch. My relationships, God, it's yours. My health, God, it's yours. My finance, God, it's yours. Every area, I want you, Jesus, to be number one. And I'm not just going to give you lip service. You know, we can preach a much better sermon with our life than with our lips. And it's not about everyone else. We can get into these blame games where we point the finger at others. But when we stand before God one day face to face, we will each have to give an account for what we did. I can't stand before God, well, you know, my wife did this and my children did this and my mum said that and my dad. No, none of that is going to matter. It's going to be, what did you do? Where did you make me the Lord of your life? Was, was I the Lord of all? And, you know, I remember my dad used to say to me, uh, son, you know, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Guys, it's time to, to, to not just say Jesus is Lord. It's time to live it. It's time to do it and lean in even when it's uncomfortable, even when it requires sacrifice, even when it's you know, not convenient. It's about, Jesus, you are number one in my life. This is a time of consecration, for cleaning ourselves up, for walking in holiness. In Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? You know, what's this talking about? It's talking about who can go up to that higher place, who can go to that more greater perspective, who can uh, stand in that holy place, that place of greater authority and greater vision and, and greater perspective. And then it answers it and says, the person who has clean hands. We've been talking a lot, haven't we, in this season about sanitizing, cleaning our hands. It's important that what we're doing is clean. It's right. It's holy. It's just before God. But then it also says, but also have a pure heart. It's not just what we're doing externally. It's also about what's going on internally, you know, with our thought life. And now this isn't saying that you've got to be perfect. No one's perfect. But there should be a leaning in. There should be a maturing. There should be a growing. And here it's saying, you know, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully. That, you know, we're being people that are following the truth, living the truth. And in this place of consecration, we begin to change. I want to encourage you, lean into the process. Don't shortcut what God is wanting to do, even if it's painful. If you find yourself in the refining fire, don't run out from it. Lean into the temperature, lean into the heat of His Spirit, because He's actually burning up the impurities, the dross, the junk in your life. He's burning those things up. He's wanting to develop us. He's wanting us to go deeper in this season. And as our roots go down deeper into the soil, 
It's about us preparing for greater fruitfulness. It's root work before fruit work. So as we go deeper into our walk and relationship with Jesus, then we're actually creating the structure that will sustain greater fruitfulness. This is a time to be in the Word of God like never before. It's a time to be in prayer like never before. This is a time to allow God to do what He wants to do. This is a time of God mending nets. This is a time, you know, where there are holes in the nets, relationships, and our own individual lives, in, you know, companies, in churches, in organizations, and God is mending the nets. But we have to lean into the process, consecrate ourselves, knowing that God is going to do mighty wonders tomorrow. God is preparing His church. And there are tests that we're going through. And before promotion comes a test. And we have to pass the test before we can experience the promotion. So if I was to ask you, what is the name of the test that you're going through right now? Because there is a test of some kind. And if you want to experience that promotion, you have to pass the test first. And I see so many Christians walking around the same mountains time and time and time again. We have choice. We've been given free will. God's not going to force us to do something. He's going to encourage us. He's going to speak to us. And so many times we turn our deaf ear. You know, we get distracted. We're not listening. We don't want to yield. We just want Christianity on our terms. But God is giving us tests. Maybe for you, you know, your test could be a faith test. It could be the integrity test. It could be the obedience test. It could be a trust test. It could be the perseverance test. There's lots of different tests. But I want to encourage you, whatever the test is, pass the test. Because there's so much more that God has for you. In Jeremiah 18, it talks about the potter. You know, and how that we're the clay and we're on the potter's wheel and he's shaping us and he's molding us. And, you know, sometimes, it, you know, we can feel a little bit dizzy, you know, as we're going around on that, that potter's wheel. But he's doing something. He's shaping us. He's molding us to reflect more of his likeness. And then just finally, with the final phase, we've had camping. We've had consecration. <laughs> Consecrate yourselves. God's going to do amazing wonders. Prepare yourself. Get ready because something big's coming. And then finally, we have crossing. God is calling us to cross over. And I believe that there will come that point where we cross over into the promised land, that we see the fulfillment, that we see the inheritance, that we see what God has in store for us, that we're going to cross over our Jordan. Remember the Jordan River. Many people were baptized in the Jordan River. Jordan was a place of metamorphosis. It's a place of transformation. It's a, a place of the old dying and the new being raised up. So there has to be that there has to be the Jordan before there's a Jericho. There has to be a, a transitional point, a metamorphosis that takes place within our lives before we can fully step in to the new that God has for us, that He has for you, that He has for me, that He has for City Life Church, that He has for the UK, that He has for the world, that He has for the body of Christ. But we have to camp with Him. We have to allow Him to do what He wants to do in that place of rest and seeking. We have to consecrate ourselves. And then finally, we are crossing over 
standing still as the Levite priests represent us as the New Testament believers. We stand in the water. We step out in faith to whatever it is, even when it seems crazy, it doesn't seem to make sense. But as we step out and we stand, having done what God has told us to do, we step out and we stand with the presence of God. We don't need the presence of God in a box it's not like the Old Testament, but we know we carry the presence of God within us. We're mobile temples. We're mobile tabernacles. We carry the presence of God. And God is going to do mighty wonders, miracles. He's going to make a way where there appears to be no way. And that's what happened. The waters receded. And the people of God crossed over to the other side. It's a bit like a train track. The points are beginning to shift. That's where we're in right now. The points are beginning to shift. We've not yet locked in to that new place yet. But, but we, we're beyond the point of no return. And we will eventually lock in. And we'll cross over to the promised land for what God has for us. And I'm believing that we're going to be stronger, better, more fruitful, more glorious, that we'll be changed from the inside out, from glory to glory. So be encouraged to camp, to be still, to know He's God. Wait patiently for Him. To let Him do what he, he wants to do. Rest. Seek the Lord. Consecrate yourself. You have to do it yourself. Let's stop the blame game. Let's Stop pointing the finger at everyone else. Take responsibility for your own repentance and your own realigning, your own cleaning up. As you do what you can do, God will do the rest. And then step in to your promised land. And you're going to see the supernatural power of God make a way where there appears to be no way as you step from your Jordan into the Jericho into your promised land, into the fullness of what God has for you. I want to pray for you, but first I, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's watching this broadcast that wants to receive Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to pray and respond and give your life to Jesus. If you've never done it, I want to encourage you right now, wherever you're at, pray this very simple prayer after me. Father God, I acknowledge that I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of all my sin. Today, I give you my life. I say, Jesus, be my Lord, my Savior, my friend. Help me live for you. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. and Help me to grow in a relationship with you, to love you, God, and to love the people around me. That I might step into the fullness, that I might step into my promised land, the fullness of all that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I just want to pray for those of you that are, have been touched by this message in some way. Father God, we just recognize that we're in this, this transitional process and teach us what it means to camp. Teach us what it means to be still. Teach us what it means to rest in you. Father God, also teach us what it means to consecrate ourselves. Lord, we know that you're not going to do it for us. We have to choose to do it. So Lord, may we not fight you. May we not fight your principles, your ways, your instructions. May we walk in holiness. May we make you the Lord of 
every area of our lives, holding nothing back, prioritizing you, putting you above everyone and everything else. And Lord, and may we step, teach us how to step out in faith and see those, those waters recede, to see the supernatural power of God at work, to see the wonders, to step in even when there's the flow, even when it doesn't make sense in the natural. We're going to step out in faith with the presence of God in us. Look into the presence of God. Look into you. Look into your instructions. And we thank you that we're going to walk in the fullness of all that you have for us. Lord, we're believing we're going to come out of this season stronger, better, more equipped, more on fire, deeper, wider, higher. For your praise, honor, and glory. We pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I hope you found this message helpful. Have an amazing rest of your day.